What's up, everyone from all around the world, including Canada, USA, Long Island, plus the five boroughs of Brooklyn, Bronx, Manhattan, Staten Island, and Queens. I'm here to guide and help you about Anchor. Anchor is a free hosting site and phone app, which is owned by Spotify. It's the easiest, awesome way to make a podcast. Why are you wasting your money paying for a hosting site to promote your podcast with limited storages? Forget about it. Let me break it down to you. There's creation tools that allow you to record, edit, monetize, add music, intros, music outros, especially distribute your podcast to streaming platforms, uploading episodes with limited storages of your podcast right from your phones, computers, laptops, and tablets. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Plus, you get paid some money in your pocket from sponsorships. Excellent. These are the keys you need to make a podcast, including the listeners supporting your show. That way, you can listen to the episodes of my show, Off the Meat Rack Chain's New York podcast, the unfiltered comedy entertainment show about the stories mixed with entertainment news, music, real life segments, and much more. Now. Where can you find, follow, and listen to the show, you ask? You can follow the podcast on Facebook and Instagram, all in one word, off the Meat Rat Chains New York podcast. Alongside with my other show, Meticulous Vibe Juice podcast, and my primary handle, G Money Stacks 555 in Queens, New York. Now, the streaming platforms goes like this. We are on Anchor. Audio Burst, Breaker, Podorama, Listen Notes, Spotify, Stitcher, Deezer, Podchaser, Pocket Cast, Podcast Addict, Player FM, TuneIn, Reason FM. We are on Podfriend, Podorama, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, and YouTube. If you have a dream of creating and becoming a podcaster like myself and individual friends that is co-hosting with me, go download the free Anchor app or you can check out anchor.fm to get started. Take advantage of the opportunity that's thrown in your face. If I could do it and reach success, so can you. I'm G Money Stacks. Thank you for listening. Let's go.
Yo, good evening, USA. International, Long Island, a.k.a. Strong Island, plus the five spots of Brooklyn, Bronx, Manhattan, Staten Island, and Queens. This is your man, G Money Stacks, a.k.a. The Greginator, YouTuber, host with the most misunderstood, lonely, nomad, unstoppable, independent podcaster, and rookie podcaster, New York native from Laurelton, Queens, New York. And you're rocking with the 252nd episode of Off the Meat Rack Chains New York podcast, a comedy space for wild, crazy, fun stories of entertainment news, real life, music news, a little mental health, a little bit of transit, a little bit of everything in between, except for politics and conspiracy theories. All right, so um, we're live and direct from StreamYard alongside with YouTube, along with the Instagram live feed of the podcast show page on Instagram. Make sure you follow the podcast show page on Instagram. Turn your notifications so you can so you can know when each episode is going to be dropping. And on top of that. If you miss any previous episodes whatsoever, anything new, um, don't worry. I got you covered. And speaking of got you covered, go grab the subscribe button for me on the YouTube channel page of G Money Stacks 555, where you see the New York episodes already uploaded and posted to the YouTube channel page. And of course, be sure to Leave a like and a comment along with the topics. Hang on. Plus, tap the noni noni bell along with alerts so you can be reminded of when the show goes on the air via live stream along with the date and time of the live stream podcast recording. And, of course, if you, if for you for you out there who don't know what noni 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 um is basically short for notification bell i didn't feel like using the whole world i didn't feel like using the whole word so i just shortened it so anyway anyway be sure to listen stream watch the episodes in case you miss any of them and on top of that download the episodes Share the episodes, share the videos, tell a friend to another friend, and I will handle the rest at the end of the show episode. So, you know what I'm saying? And, um, and, and yeah, so, so we got some, we got some wild, crazy, fun topics to talk about here. And one in particular has to do with the, 
Today's episode actually is pertaining to the finale of the Fast and the Furious movie, which is Fast 10. All right. Um, all right. Without further ado, without further ado, let's cut to the chase to the New York Mass Transit Files. Let's get into it right here right now. Today we only have one transit transit topic today, and this is pertaining to two individuals who got struck by trains by the West 4th Street station um from between Queens and Manhattan, which is so let's let's get into what's happening. Two people in Queens and Manhattan died Tuesday morning after being struck by subway trains in separate incidents, leading to major delays during the morning rush hour. Just after 2.45 a.m. on March 7, police discovered a woman on the E-line the e southbound track bed at Kew Gardens Union Turnpike in Queens. The woman was declared dead on arrival. Police said it's not clear how she ended up on the tracks. Oh gosh, damn, son. Are you for real? Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's terrible, man. You know what I mean? It's very terrible. Um, anyway. A little more than six hours later at 8.56 a.m., police responded to a report of a man struck by a train at West 4th Street, Washington Square in Greenwich Village. The man was struck by a southbound train, cops said. He was also declared dead on arrival. A police spokesperson said no criminality is suspected in the West 4th Street incident. Both of the tragic incidents led to significant delays for morning commuters service on the E. F line in the early morning hours was suspended between Forest Hills and Jamaica as police as police responded to the fatal strike at Kew Gardens. Trains were still running with delays at 5 a.m. The MTA reported, though, by the busiest points of rush hour, the, the snags had mostly subsided. Later, following the incident at West 4th Street, major delays were experienced on the B, C, D, E, F and M lines. With the site of the incident being a major transfer, transfer hub, numerous subway lines experienced snowball effects. Damn. 
Yeah, beast beast service was suspended entirely while D trains ran on the C line from Columbus Circle to J Street Metro Tech and then on the F line from J Street to Coney Island. F trains in Queens ran on the E line in Queens and then and then along the G into Brooklyn, bypassing Manhattan entirely while Forest Hills bound M trains were rerouted along the J line into Lower Manhattan. By 10.30 a.m., the MTA reported that trains on the B, D, F, M lines had resumed making regular stops. Unrelated issues snagged other lines during the morning rush as well. According to the MTA's live customer service alerts on Twitter, Brooklyn-bound M trains and World Trade Center bound e-trains experience delays due to mechanical issues with a train at court square 23rd street eli avenue in queens the one two three lines saw delays due to an unauthorized person on the tracks near chambers street how stupid can you be to do this how stupid can you be to do this shit though man really That's crazy, man. How stupid can you be to do this? Like, really, though? Really, though? And that's how a lot of people get get angry and stuff, man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, I kind of feel everybody's pain on this with the delays and stuff. I get it. I get it. I get it though, man. It's almost like you worry you you worry about the 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 rageaholics on the streets that's doing the same shit as the trains. Yeah, that part right there, though. Southbound A train experienced delays after a track fire in Inwood, while northbound four, four and five trains were snagged when a customer required medical assistance assistance at Grand Central. Speaking, um, let me see. Yes, speaking of, um, let me see, hang on a sec. Hang on a minute here. Yes, speaking of Grand Central, various trains were still experiencing delays Tuesday morning after Governor Kathy Hochul and the MCA retooled that the Long Island Railroad's new schedules bringing more shuttle trains between Jamaica and Brooklyn and adding cars to overcrowded trains heading to and from Penn Station. 
Commuters had complained of diminished service from Long Island to Brooklyn and overcrowded trains headed to Penn, even as trains headed to the brand new Grand Central Madison appeared to leave Jamaica nearly empty. Oh, boy. Yeah, that, that right there is a little... I don't know, man. That, that sounds a little a little sus to me, but let's see. So, hold on a minute. Okay, we got some wild, crazy, fun, fun topics to get to, but this one is a wild one pertaining to, pertaining to Justin Rowland, the co-creator of Rick and Morty, and our in our segment called chatting or excuse me. And speaking of speaking of crazy if you'd like to make a charitable donation to support this podcast um you can make a, do- a charitable donation to my cash app which is g money stacks 555 as dollar sign capital g lowercase m-o-n-e-y capital s lowercase t-a-c-k-z 555 all right you don't need to be from a rich family to to show more support it's about doing the best you can as a human being on whatever amount of money you choose to be comfortable with that you desire will be appreciated. So there you have it right there. And um, yes. Yes, let's get to chanting all the jazz right here. Hang on a second, let me set up the topic here. All right, so Justin Roland. Okay, let's get to. All right, let's get to the. Let's get to to this segment right here, man. All right, so. So Justin Rowland is allegedly in hot water, in hot water, of course, um, according to Variety. Here's what's going on here. So um, let me see, let me see. So Adult Swim is severing ties with Rick and Morty co-creator Rowland after he was charged with domestic violence. Adult Swim has 
has ended its association with Justin Rowland, the network said in a statement. As previously reported, Rowland was charged in Orange County, California with one felony count of domestic battery with corporal injury and one felony count of false imprisonment by menace, violence, fraud, and or deceit. He pleaded not guilty in 2020 and appeared in court Thursday, January 13, 2023 for a pre-trial hearing. A trial date has not yet been set. He is due for another pretrial hearing on April 27th. Ooh. Damn. Damn. Damn, son. Really? You really ruined you really ruined your career over, over some bullshit? Really? Damn. <laughs> okay let's let's keep going with this story here man let's keep going with this story oh my gosh according to the felony complaint obtained by variety the incident occurred to or around january 19 2020 against an unnamed jane doe who was dating roland who hold on an unnamed Jane Doe who was dating Roland at the time. In addition to co-creating Rick and Morty with Dan Harmon, Roland also provides the voices of the two main characters on the show as well as various other characters. The show is expected to continue without Roland as sources say his roles will be recast. Adult Swim had had previously renewed Rick and Morty in 2018 for 70 additional episodes with the intention of taking it to 100 episodes at least. To date, 61 episodes of the series have aired with with season 6 have with season 6 having wrapped up in December 2022. Roland also has the animated comedy Solar Opposites at Hulu, which was renewed for a fifth season back in October. He also pr provides a voice and executive produces the recently launched Hulu animated comedy Koala Man. <laughs> Damn. Um, all right. And another update, another update in Justin Rowland's um case. Um, Rick and Morty creator Justin Rowland has been cleared of domestic violence charges, Variety confirms. Kimberly Edge, spokeswoman for the Orange County District Attorney's Office, said in a statement, we dismissed the charges today as a result of having insufficient evidence to prove the case beyond a reasonable doubt. Rowland took to social media to respond to 
the drop charges, writing in a statement that he is thankful the case has been dismissed. He added, I'm still deeply shaken by the horrible lies that were reported about me during this process. Roland appeared in court in January for a pre-trial, pre-trial hearing after he was charged with one felony account of domestic battery with corporal injury and one felony count of false imprisonment by menace, violence, fraud, or and or deceit. He pleaded not guilty to the charges in 2020. A second pretrial hearing was scheduled for April 27th. I have always known that these claims were false and I never had any doubt that this day would come, said Rowan said in the new statement. I'm thankful that this case has been dismissed, but at the same time, I'm still deeply shaken by the horrible lies that were reported about me during this process. Most of all, I'm disappointed that so many people were so quick to judge without knowing the facts based solely on the word of an, an embittered ex trying to bypass due process due process and have me canceled Roland added that it may have succeeded even partially it's shameful however now that the legal case has ended i'm determined to move forward and focus on my on my creative projects and restoring my good name. Rowan's attorney, T. Edward Wellburn, added in a statement to Variety, I commend the Orange County District Attorney's Office for conducting a thorough review of the facts and deciding to dismiss the case against Justin. I'm thankful Justin has justice has prevailed. Um... Adult Swim severed ties with Roland at the end of January because of domestic violence charges. The network said in a brief statement, at the time, Adult Swim has ended its association with Justin Roland. Roland then resigned from Squanch Games, the video game developer banner that he co-founded in 2016. Best known for co-creating the Adult Swim animated comedy, Rick, Rick and Morty, on which he voiced the show the show's two titular characters. Characters Roland's credits also include Hulu's Solar Opposites, which was renewed for fifth season back in October, and Koala Man, which he executive produced and had a voice role in. Hulu similarly dropped him from both series in january saying in a statement we have ended our association with justin Rowland. the shows were not canceled and will continue on without his involvement adult swim and hulu declined to comment on the latest development well burn maintained his client's innocence back in january in the following statement to variety it is hard to overstate how inaccurate the recent media coverage of this situation has been. To be clear, not only is Justin innocent, but we also have every expectation that this matter is on course to be dismissed once the district attorney's office has completed its method methodical review of the evidence. We look forward to clearing Justin's name and helping him move forward as swift, swiftly, swiftly 
as possible. Rick and Morty season six wrapped up in December 2022, but more episodes are coming, presumably without Justin's and without Roland's involvement. Oh boy. Damn, that sucks, man. Wow. Just wow. Um, let's see. Let's see. Um speaking of wow. Speaking of wow. We need to talk about um we need to talk about um we need to talk about um some stuff here. So this is going to be um we need to talk about all right, let's go to Angela Yee for a second. Um yeah, let's go to Angela Yee for a second. Um okay. Okay, so this is from Vibe actually. Um and Angela Yee's Twitter bio boosts that she'd rather be hated than than a hater. It seems this this statement, the sentiment is one she holds close to her heart following her official exit from the Breakfast Club and a slew of subsequent backlash. She, she first hinted that she would be departing from the radio show after 12 years on August 9th, 2022 via Twitter. However, it's been a few weeks since that decision became concrete, leading to tension surfacing between her and former co-host, mainly DJ Envy. During Yee's recent appearance on the, the Tamron Hall show, she detailed her experience as the controversial show's sole, fe sole female host. Sometimes she said in quote, um, I've I would feel like I got it harder than he than he, Charmaine God, did did for some things that he said, but it's hard because people affiliate you with the whole group. And that was part of why I really wanted to have my own show because now what happens is I'm accountable for that. But when you have three different people with three different opinions or three different viewpoints and completely different personalities, we're, we're all individuals, but sometimes it's hard for people to separate that. I was, I was the only woman who worked there too. I mean, when it came to producers, camera people, and it wasn't an easy room for me to be in, said the 47-year-old. I didn't know she was 47. Wow. Um, Evie denounced her statement promptly in, in the Shade Room's comments. That's just not true, he wrote. There are plenty of women that work behind the scenes on the Breakfast Club AM. In a separate interview, Envy went into depth expressing that he felt ye misspoke. It was clear Charlemagne and myself, so she was the only woman on air, he explained. But behind the scenes, I mean our boss, the actual person that pays our bills and pay pays our checks and hires us is is Thea Mitch Mitchin. 
who's a woman. I think she misspoke. I think the words were taken out of, I guess, tech technicality. I'm sure she would clean it up, but there's a lot of women who work on that show. He turned to Twitter to address his comments. Usually I don't comment or go back and forth with people. There's too much spinning, she began. In the room referred to the people in the studio, the producer, board op, videographer, and host. Yes, they are men. That doesn't mean that there aren't amazing women who... <clears throat> that doesn't mean that there aren't amazing women who are sex salespeople, interns, and other departments. Hold on. Sorry about that. Anyway, um, the lip service host continued. I've said it on many occasions that it can be hard when your viewpoint is different based on your experience. I didn't anticipate that this would cause such a firestorm. Yeah. She also did an interview addressing all this on Revolt. So... I know what it's like to be misunderstood and because it's happened to me, it's happened to me multiple times. And honestly, that shit is not, that shit is not pretty to be misunderstood and accused. You know what I'm saying? So that right there, that right there is that right there. That, that was just horrible. What she went through. Uh, Excuse me. It's horrible what she went through, man. And I'm actually glad. I'm actually glad that she um that she um defended herself. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah, I feel like she defended herself. And she is allowed to do that. And 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 of course, by the way, by the way. You can tune into the Lift Service podcast and, of course, alongside with the recent show that's going on iHeartRadio, which is which is Way Up with Angela Yee from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. All right? That's, yeah. Yeah, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. on iHeartRadio, of course. So you can listen to that on every streaming platform, including iHeartRadio, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts and radio shows, all right? So there you have it right there. Yes, up next, we have here 
on the agenda is um let's see oh we need to talk about the wheel fortune contestant oh man this was a hilarious one i'll save the other funny one for for last actually i'll say the funny one for last though man but but this one right here oh man okay so a cheesy oversight almost cost a wheel fortune contestant thousands in prize money angie gotney a teacher from north deland florida appeared on wednesday's episode of the beloved game show in which two tricky letters nearly separated her from taking home seven thousand three hundred dollars <laughs> wait seven thousand three hundred dollars damn that's a lot of money right here but but all she had to do was fill in the correct letters during a food and drink category puzzle that already spelled out warm toasted um with the b a underscore e l s with low low underscore n and cream cheese <laughs> got any correctly guessed the incorrect first word to be bagels but then guessed guessed that the second was low instead of the correct the correct locks <laughs> which was which is brand salmon that originated from Scandinavia <laughs> oh my gosh wow that's an epic fail damn oh shit but <laughs> but it was the new york jewish community that popularized locks on a bagel with cream cheese it remains a flavored breakfast item on the east coast not sure what locks is but Anyway, she finally asked for an X to be placed on the board and proudly read aloud warm toasted bagels with locks and cream cheese. Ha! Ooh. Yeah, that's that's a much better recipe, host Pat Sajak quit. But while a passionate number of locks lovers flocked to Twitter asking how got got me seemingly didn't know what lox is others also admitted to not being familiar with the ingredient of course you're not going to be familiar with something what is lox never heard of it <laughs> i've seen much worse wheel fortune screw-ups one user noted while another stated that they would never show my face again if they guessed low instead of lox oh shit Oh my gosh, wow. <laughs> wow. I mean, wow. Oh boy. 
<laughs> Damn, son. Oh, Lord. You know what's correct? This is the craziest thing that I ever heard in my life. <sighs> oh, boy. Oh boy. <laughs> oh my gosh. This this is just beyond crazy to me, man. Um, I don't know, man. This is just beyond this is just beyond me, man. <laughs> Unfortunately. This is beyond me, man. That's that that's ugh. that's fucking crazy though. Um <laughs> Oh shit. Oh shit. That's wow. Come on. Yeah, that that right there is just beyond crazy and and it's kind of that's very 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 bad. <laughs> Damn, son. Okay, that was this. Listen, according, <laughs> there's plenty of people who go on Wheel of Fortune that actually made crazy boneheaded, crazy boneheaded answers. <laughs> and they got it wrong too. So what do you expect? <laughs> it's the same with Jeopardy. And <laughs> people get wrong answers all the time on Jeopardy. I mean, you're not gonna get all the right answers all the time. Like, come on. <laughs> oh man, that's that's really crazy right there. Oh my gosh. So <laughs> my dad and I were appalled. My mom was more understanding, but I feel like Florida has so many New York transplants. She should have known. The tweeter continued. The absolute verbal abuse my mom and I screamed at this lady on Wheel of Fortune who didn't know what locks was. One more person shared. First of all, what the hell is a locks anyway, man? Like, what do you like? Locks? The the fuck is locks on a bagel? Oh my gosh! Anyway, man, um, <laughs> this is nuts, man. This is so fucking laughable. I can't even. I can't even help myself. This is so laughable. I can't even help myself to laugh though. Um, yeah, yeah, in the entire 500,000 year history of Will Fortune, these may be the single absolute dimwit contestants I've, I have ever seen, and I mean that in the purest fashion, who's never, who, who's never heard of locks, hashtag Will Fortune, another person said, <laughs> Okay, Gottney was a good sport. At least she made fun of herself on her Facebook account promoting her appearance sport beforehand by noting that there would be a few embarrassing moments. 
the fishy fiasco joins the list of other recent wheel snafus, mostly at Sajak's expense. The show's official Twitter account even poked fun at the long time host viral reaction to a player who needed another rundown of the rules just this week. <laughs> In December, viewers fumed when he sort of complimented his daughter Maggie, age 27. Hang on. Yes, Maggie, age 27, who many fans think will take over for her dad when once he eventually retires. Another weird moment occurred when a contestant nearly flushed thousands of dollars down the drain when she couldn't solve a bonus round puzzle and flustered Sajak in the, in the process. Oh, man. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, shit. Wow, <laughs> that's funny right there, man. I, yo, I'm not even gonna hold you. I'm not even gonna hold you, man. But you, you really have to be really crazy to actually think that. <laughs> this is so fucking laughable, man. I'm sorry for laughing, but this is very laughable. Um, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so. Let's see. Let's let's get into some Chloe Bailey. Okay. And this is from Billboard. So Chloe Bailey revealed the track list for her upcoming album in pieces on Monday, March 20th. The 14th song track list boost previously released singles like pray it away and how does it feel featuring chris brown as well as additional collaborations with missy elliott Toja, and future cheat back noticeably missing from the the back cover are singles like half mercy treat me surprise and the lotto assisted assisted for the night last week the elder half of chloe and Haley. Um, showed off the whimsical artwork for the album, which depicts her holding a colorful crystal line version of her heart. In a message written to fans, she shared, and quote, I saw a porcelain doll three years ago holding her heart just like this, and from then I said, this will be my album cover. She went on to explain that even the red tint of her hair is symbolic of the most difficult period of her life when she dyed it red about a year and a half ago in pieces is one of is one is for the ones who behind closed doors are breaking and don't know how much more they can take bailey continued in part 
I hope this project brings healing to those who listen as it's been completely therapeutic for me. And I can't wait to share my heart with you literally. Yeah. So while in pieces is due, hold on a second. Hold on. While in pieces is due March 31st via Columbia Records and Parkwood Entertainment, Bailey's younger sister, Haley Bailey, is gearing up to show the world her role as Ariel in the live-action adaptation of Disney's The Little Mermaid out May 26th, which is two months from here. <laughs> and you can check out the full track list for In Pieces below. And yeah, you could go to her, you could go follow Chloe Bailey and you can see the picture of, you can see the picture in pieces and the track listings. So I'm not going to really say that. You can, you can, you can, um, you can find out for yourself. All right. And all right. So <laughs> yeah, moving on to, moving on to, um, Hold on a second. Yes, moving on to currency. <laughs> moving on to currency right here. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, currency has opened up about how rap. Rap's blog era revived his career and gave him another path to navigate the music industry following his cash money record stint. Spitter and Jermaine Dupree, aka JD, stopped by Hot 97 last week ahead of their upcoming EP's arrival, and the New Orleans native explained how he essentially fell into being an accepted member of hip hop's blog era. End quote. I went. I went laptop, Currency told Ebro in the morning, co-host Peter Rosenberg. I tell people all the time, my homegirl just typed in Google when I put my first mixtape. That's how I learned of all the blogs. She typed my name in it and and it popped up that all these people had wrote these articles and posted the picture. End quote. It felt like I was looking at all the magazines. It felt like double XL vibe. I was like, damn, there is a whole other group of writers. I don't have to deal with this shit. If they not fucking with it, there's a whole other batch of people that is. That just made me keep pumping shit out. Um, what happened? So what? What so happened was the labels were using these blogs to a and r shit. He continued and quote, "They, they wasn't getting out in the street and seeing what was what." <clears throat> 
they would just go there and see, oh, they keep posting him. Let's hit him up and let's find his MySpace or Twitter or whatever and see if the kid wants a million dollars. Spitter explained that he maintains a friendship with most of the artists he came up with during that era, such as the Cool Kids, Smoke Dizza, Wiz Khalifa, and Big Crit, many of whom has had an extensive collaborative history with. I think we like we all like-minded and kind of have an appreciation for the struggle that we went through. It was a different form of struggle to get to where we got to, he said. Everybody was pretty much together. It was pretty much playing double AU basketball. Currency is heading into the release of his his and Jermaine Dupree's for motivational use only EP. The seven-track project will be the first of three joint installments, which arrives on April 4th, which is a Tuesday. And uh wait, so April 1st is a Saturday, second. Yes, it's a Tuesday. It's a Tuesday. And that's fitting because it falls on currency's 42nd birthday and also double up doubles up atl's primary area code for 404 for those interested in the in the nostalgia of the blog era it's the reels jeff and eric rosenthal are set to launch the blog era podcast on april 19th yeah Oh uh, yeah, April nineteenth, the blog era podcast. Okay. Um. All right, so let's get into. Okay, let's get into Ice Spice. So. All right, Tom. So this is from harpersbazaar.com. In January, the 23-year-old Bronx native um, born Isis Gaston released her six-track debut EP, like, which features tracks that became viral hits on TikTok and beyond thanks to their un- unbashedly cocky lyrics about confidence and self-love such as munch feeling you and bikini bottom i've always ha- always been a baddie and i've always been infatuated with other baddies says spice so i wanted to emulate that and make other people feel that way too <laughs> Spice first released music, the singles Bully Freestyle and No Clarity in 2021, shortly after meeting the producer um, Riot USA, known as Riot, while students at the State University of New York at Purchase. The two have worked together ever since with Spice writing all of her own lyrics and Riot executive producing. 
I'm open to working with writers at some point when the time is right. But right now, I'm sticking to what got me here in the first place, she says. That's me being creative in the studio with Riot, she continues. We just cook up bops. We make vibes. I try not to think too hard and just really have fun. Um. <laughs> As one of few women in drill, a subgenre of hip hop, which is which is different from a music genre, first of all, um, that combines trap influenced beats and gangster rap style lyrics, Spice is adamant about pushing boundaries. I feel like I'm bringing a new sound to people that they haven't really heard before. Being one of the few girls to bring drill to a mainstream mainstream level spice says naming pop smoke as one of the one of new york's leading artists with the genre it's refreshing and fun i'm really enjoying it while a full-length album is on the way it's definitely cooking up right now i'm not promising any dates spice is currently enjoying relishing relishing the success of like the response to my ep has been like a big warm hug from everybody that's consuming the project she says i'm so proud of it and how fun it was to make and i can tell that right now this is an error i'm always going to cherish for this issue spice curated a playlist with the theme of reinvention choosing artists whose creativity and vision she admires Hold on. Okay. Um. Okay. Along with Azalea Banks's uh, energy boosting, fuck up the fun, which she listens to for an energy boost. She included. <laughs> Feel Good Shower Song Shirt by SZA, along with Make Me Proud by Drake and Nicki Minaj. It's a classic for me, she says, of the latter track. I grew up listening to them, and they are huge inspirations. And, of course, you can listen to her music her, her, her music playlist exclusively on Apple Music. Oof. Um, and wherever you get your, and wherever streaming platforms you get your music. And and more I Spice news. Let's get to hold on a second. And hold on a second here. Uh wait a minute here. Let's get it to okay. What is this? Oh. In other Ice Spice news. Sorry. Yes, so. NYC Festival 
Governor's Ball has updated their 2023 lineup, adding Bronx rapper Ice Spice to Friday. She joins Lizzo, Little Uzi Vert, um, Ham, Metro Boomin, who replaced DeVito, Diplo, Omar Apollo, Kim Petras, Joy Badass, Zero Seventy Shake, Ty Verdez, Saba, PJ Morton, Michelle, Maxo Cream, <laughs> and others on Friday, June 9th. Governor's Ball 2023 also features Odessa, Lil Baby, Rena Sawaya Ma, Finez, Kenny Beats, Coffee, <laughs> Snail Mail, <laughs> oh shit, Amber Mark, Sid, Suki, Waterhouse, <laughs> Kenny Hoopla, <laughs> Sarah Kinsley and more on Saturday, and Kendrick Lamar, Lil Nas X, Sophie Tucker, Pusha T, Gurren Red, Central C, Thames, Pink Pantheras, Black Midi, Sabrina Claudio, Phony People, <laughs> Hey Koo Hands, and more on Sunday. It moved to Queens Flushing Meadows. Queens Flushing Meadows Corona Park on June 9th through the 11th. And tickets are on sale now. See the updated lineup below. While Ice Spice and Pink Pantherists are billed on different days, there's hoping, here's hoping they perform their collaborative the collaboration um, Boys A Liar Part 2 during one of the sets. Ice Spice has been listed on the Boom bamboozle lineup but she no longer appears on the festival site governor's balls co-founders recently discussed their favorite memories from every year of the festival with us uh let's see yeah um you can let me see 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 yeah, so this is just uh okay. Yeah, everything is included right here. So you can go to brooklynvegan.com to check out the lineup of the governor's ball. <laughs> Brooklyn vegan. That's that's interesting. And speaking of interesting. Let's get to, let's get to, let's get to Drake. Okay. So this is from Variety, of course, obviously. Drake has announced dates for his 2023 It's All a Blur tour presented by Cash App, Visa, 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 and Sprite. Produced by Live Nation, Drake and 21 Savage will be going on a 29-day arena arena run with stops including Chicago, Boston, New York, Miami, Florida, Los Angeles, California, and more before wrapping up in Glendale, Arizona at Desert Diamond Arena on Tuesday, September 5th. It's all about Mark's Drake's return to touring since headlining Aubrey and the three 
Migos tour in 2018. In the last five years, Drake has released four albums, including his most recent studio album, Her Loss, in collaboration with 21 Savage. According to the announcement, the tour's title is a celebration of the last decade, signifying its retrospective nature. Tickets will be available starting with Cash App, Card, and Sprite pre-sales. Um, of course, it's, it began on Wednesday, March 15th. Additional pre-sales. Um, yes, additional pre-sales will run throughout the week ahead of the general on-sale beginning, beginning, fr- beginning Friday which already happened March 17th, starting at 12 p.m. local time. Cash App car pre-sale for all U.S. shows. The first tickets to the It's All a Blur tour will, will be available for Cash App card customers uh, via an exclusive ticket pre-sale presented by Cash App and Visa. Of course, obviously... Uh, beginning it already started so this is all right this is like a recap okay so beginning wednesday uh, march 15th starting at 12 p.m local time through thursday march 16th at 10 p.m local time cash app card holders can unlock the earliest access to it's all the blur tour it's all the blur tickets by using the first nine digits of their cash app card to access the pre-sale and then completing the purchasing the purchase using their cash app card. Um, pre-sale start times vary by market. Check your local listings at at drakerelated.com for more information. For more information on the cash app card pre-sale, please visit cash app slash Drake pre-sale. Sprite pre-sale Sprite is a, is the official beverage sponsor for It's All a Blur Tour. His first in North America since 2018. This marks the, a, nat, a natural progression of their partnership since Sprite executed his first worldwide brand deal in 2010. Fans can look up uh fans can look up for updates on sprite.com and sign up for sprite emails to gain access to drake's pre-sale experience the sprite pre-sale would take place on thursday march 16th which already happened uh local time until 10 p.m local time pre-sale start times vary by market check your local listings at drakerelated.com for more information and these are the dates for drake it's all a blur Drake, it's all blurred 2023 tour date. So, of course, obviously, Friday, um, June 16th in New Orleans, Louisiana, Smoothie King Center, Monday, June 19th, Nashville, Tennessee, uh, Bridge, Bridgestone Arena, Wednesday, J- June 21st, Houston, Texas, Toyota Center, Saturday, Dallas, Saturday, um, June 24th, Dallas, Texas, American Airlines Center. Wednesday, June 28th, Miami, Florida, Miami Dade Arena. 
Saturday, July 1st, Atlanta, Georgia, State Farm Arena. Sunday, July 2nd, Atlanta, Georgia, State Farm Arena. Wednesday, July 5th, Chicago, Illinois. And Thursday, July 6th, at the same place, um, United Center of Chicago, Illinois. And more to come. So this is July 8th. Detroit, Michigan, Little Caesars Arena, Tuesday, July 11th, Boston, uh, Massachusetts, TD Garden, Wednesday, July 12th, Boston, Massachusetts, TD Garden, Friday, July 14th, Montreal, um, Quebec, Canada, um, Bell Center, Monday, July 17th, Brooklyn, New York, Barclays Center, as well as the 18th of July, Tuesday, July 25th, Madison Square Garden, as well as the 26th at Madison Square Garden. Friday, July 28th, Washington, D.C., Capital One Arena. Monday, July 31st, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Wells Fargo Center. Saturday, August 12th, Inglewood, California, Kia Forum, as well as August 13th. Friday, August 18th, San Francisco, California, Chase Center. Monday, August 21st, Los Angeles, California, Crypto.com, as well as Tuesday, August 22nd. Ugh, I hate the name Crypto.com, man. And Friday, August 25th, Seattle, Washington, Climate Pledge Arena. Monday, August 28th, Vancouver, Vancouver, um, Rogers Arena. And um, Friday, September 1st, Las Vegas, Nevada, um, T-Mobile Arena. Tuesday, September 5th, Glendale, Arizona, Desert Diamond Area, and Vancouver, BC. Wait a minute. Let me find out what Vancouver, BC stands for. Hold on a second here. Hold on a second here. This is this is very, very, very interesting. Um, let me find out something. Okay. Hold on a second. British Columbia is what it stands for. British Columbia. Got it. Okay. So, um, what is it? Where, where was this? Oh. Oh. That was um, Rogers Arena, which is in Vancouver, British Columbia. Okay, so, all right. Let's get into, okay, what else we got here? Um, Let's get into the list of um, new music releases and upcoming albums, because I just... um, I didn't get a chance to talk about this, though, man, unfortunately. Uh, let's see. 
So, all right, so let's get into it here. Um, all right, so and this is according to um the pitchfork. Okay, so of course, obviously, we got some stuff coming out tomorrow. Um tomorrow, March 31st, a certain ratio, um 1982. Um mute Alan Brax and Fred Folk. The Uppercuts. 2023 edition Smuggler's Way. Um, B Kool-Aid Pink Seafood. Yeah, Pink Seafood. And Ali. Leather Boulevard. <laughs> Baba Mao being marathon artist. Boy Genius director in the yeah, Chloe in pieces. Uh, let's see. In pieces, Conway the machine. He won't do it. Won't he do it? Devito, timeless, deer hoof, miracle level. Um, Eddie, um, Eddie Chacon, sundown, gel. <laughs> Not to be confused with hair, hair gel, folks. <laughs> um, only constant, the hold steady, the price of progress. James Holden, imagine this is a high dimensional space of all possibilities. Ooh. And you have Command, Def Age, EP. Larry June and the Alchemist, The Great Escape. Lies along lies. Lies along lies. London Brew. <laughs> um, Molina, Lofgren, Talbot, and Young. Moss Icon. Um, Mystic 100s on a micro diet. The new pro, the new pornographers <laughs> continue as a guest. Uh, um, no, Noah, Gisella, 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 Peppy, Reclaim, Pewtor Kurik, Peach Blossom. Rick Wilson, Camaro, and A Track, Cluster Funk, <laughs> Spirit Possession of the Sign. <laughs> All right. Steve Gunn and David Moore, Let the Moon Be a Planet. Tyler, the Creator. Call me if you get lost. The estate sale. Um, the white stripes. Wait a second. The white stripes, elephant, deluxe. 
William Tyler and the Impossible Truth Secret Stratosphere. Um, yeah, so that's for April. No, that's for um tomorrow, March 31st. Whatsoever. Um, let's get into the very, 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 very thing that I was saving for last has to do with CeeLo Green's crazy ass. <laughs> okay. I saw this on TMZ, by the way, while I was watching TV. Um, <laughs> CeeLo Green is responding to backlash he received for riding a horse into Shorty Lowe's birthday celebration. Oh, man. On Friday, March 24th, CeeLo uploaded a post on Instagram where he explained his recent stunt. Sharing a, sharing a picture of himself smiling from ear to ear, the Goody Mob rapper provided a lengthy caption. Yo, so listen, y'all know me, right? He began. Y'all know I'm off the chain. Are you really that surprised? Hashtag laugh out loud about the other night. I felt like it could be fun and funny to make a grand entrance on this beautiful animal for a very special occasion in our city of of hashtag Atlanta, a birthday party celebration for of life for our deceased beloved Shorty Low. <laughs> oh shit. Um, FYI, I love animals of all kind. I actually live on a ranch. I was with friends and family who all know my sense of humor <laughs> whoa um wait a minute um Sheila continued and quote that's how i show hashtag love we went through we went through all the proper channels to make that happen with no ill intent towards the animal it should have been short and sweet but some malfunctions happen and it is what it is but know that i'm okay and yes the horse is okay as well <laughs> oh shit! i'll chuck it up as another day at the office being me <laughs> thank you to all of the fans and supporters for your love and concern long live low <laughs> so the video see Green riding into the late Shorty Lowe's birthday celebration on a horse and then falling off said horse went viral on Wednesday night, March 22nd. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh, man. <sighs> Yeah, that right there. That right there is just, uh, I don't know, man. That right there. Yeah.
Okay, um, there's more to this. There's more to this story right here. According to TMZ, Peter felt some type of way about the failed spectacle as well. The animal rights group reportedly told the celebrity news site, it doesn't take a genius to know that horses don't belong at a noisy, crowded party where slippery floors and strobe lights can agitate these vulnerable animals. Oof. <laughs> oh, man. This is crazy, man. This is very crazy. Um, this is so crazy. I'm not even going to hold you. All right. So now that I got that out the way. Now that I got that out the way. We got some movie-related stuff to talk about here. Um, Let's get into this thing that I like to call movie man cave popcorn. <laughs> Okay, one more, one more thing. Um, okay, okay, we need to get into, we gotta get, we got some movie stuff to talk about here. Starting with Fast 10. Starting with Fast 10. Um, <clears throat> starting with Fast 10. Fast 10, which marks the beginning of the end of the for the Fast and the Furious series, is only a few months away. Um, actually, two months away. And it's no surprise that the latest installment will once again be all about all about family. The debut trailer released online on February 10th revealed that the series has now re retconned the ending of Fast Five so that Jason Momoa's villain can actually be introduced as the son of a previous villain, Hernan, Hernan Reyes. Oh, boy. <laughs> Hernan Reyes. Uh, the hell is this? What the hell is this? Anyway, apparently, Memora's character will leave audiences 
audiences questioning how much Dom Toretto and Cole are really the heroes of their own story. Director Louis Letteria explained, we seen we see them from afar and they are like take them out. They are bad guys. They stole our safe. That's what's interesting by doing so. You guide the audience to rethink everything they've experienced in the entire franchise. Sure, your experience was that's the right thing to do. The truth's through the eyes of Dom and the family, but the antagonists always had their point of view and their truth. That's quite different from the other one. Um, It's certainly an interesting take, but we know that Dom will never f- truly be the villain of a Fast and Furious movie. So what do we do about Fast 10? Here's everything you need to know. Initially, Universal um, confirmed that Fast 10 would debut on April 7, 2023, uh, barring any delays, of course. However, that was shifted slightly to May 19, 2023, which is where the movie has stayed. On April 20th, 2022, it was confirmed that filming had begun with Diesel providing regular updates on Instagram filming wrap in late August 2022 after the movie had been shot in the likes of Italy and Portugal. Um, Tyrese Gibson had previously noted that the plan was to shoot the two movies back to back, but that hasn't happened, which could mean we're and for an extended wait for the 11th and final fat final fast and furious movie as for why the series is getting a two-part finale diesels has said that it's apparently because there's so much ground to cover adding there's so many places and so many locations in the world we have to visit we don't yet have a release date for fast and the furious 11 or fast 10 part two um however they style it though um as mentioned above the the first trailer for fast 10 was released on february 10th if you missed it above check it out below um so Hold on a second. It wouldn't be a true finale to the sto- to the series without most of the family back, and along with the filming um, confirmation came the expected cast list. Fast Ten will reunite the all important Toretto family for the tenth film. Obviously, Vin Diesel's Dom is back. Um, Joined by a lot of similar faces, especially as Fast and Furious 9 passed without any casualties. The family grew even... The family even grew with the surprise return of Sung Kang as Han, who will return alongside Michelle Rodriguez as Letty, Tyrese as Roman, Ludacris as Tej, 
Jordana Brewster as Mia, Charlize Theron as the baddie Cypher, and and Natalie Emmanuel as Ramsey. Diesel revealed that it was actually his daughter who ensured the return of Mia, who was originally missing from the script. Uh huh. We imagine that be it in terms of the core cast, but we expect a lot of cameo roles and bit parts of for characters across the entire series, including Lucas Black as Sean Sean Boswell, Bow Wow as Twinkie, Jason Tobin as Earl Who, as Shay Wingen, Wingen as Agent Stasiak. Diesel has also confirmed that Tego Calderon and Dom Omar will be back as Leo and Santos, but we don't expect them to play a major role. The fate of Kurt Russell's Mr. Nobody was up in the air at the end of Fast 9. Um, but since he helped Han fake, fake his own death, we wouldn't be surprised if he's still around to help Dom and his crew out. Scott Eastwood has been confirmed to return for Fast 10 as Little Nobody, but it is to take Mr. Nobody's role, or is it confirmation um, that his boss will be back too? Taking, talking of Han's return, there's a theory that Mr. Nobody might have faked Giselle's death too. So could we see a return of Gal Gadot in the two-part finale? After the knife movie went to space, we're not ruling out anything. We're not ruling anything out. Kang is certainly up for Giselle's return as he responded to the theory by saying, I think we need Giselle back in every way. I think the fans want that. We need to make that happen somehow. Whether it'll be in a cameo role or something more substantial, it's unlikely that the finale passes without an appearance from Brian O'Connor. Two, perhaps it'll be just a form, just be from archival footage of the late great Paul Walker or some CGI trickery, but he'll definitely play a part. Following the release of the trailer, Letteria confirmed that the movie wouldn't feature Brian in the present day, but as we see in the trailer, there will be footage of Brian from past fast move fast movies. The Walker family is still very much part of this of this franchise. You'll see how in this movie, it just has to be the right moment, the right tone. He explained. Um. Brewster has spoken of her desire to have Paul Walker's daughter, a medal, make an appearance in the series before it comes to an end. Perhaps that could happen in Fast 10, Fast and Furious 10. The credits scene in Fast 9 also saw Jason Statham return to the main series as Deckard Shaw. So we'd be surprised if he didn't play a role in the two-part finale alongside his mother, Mag Madeline Queenie Shaw, as brilliantly played by Helen Mirren. We've already had a first look at Mirren back 
in the Fast franchise. Um, closing up to Dom, of course. Um, all right. So while he started as a villain, John Cena's Jacob Toretto was on Dom's side by the end of the ninth movie. So we expect to see the long lost Toretto brother back in the fold for the finale too. Uh, okay, so there's been plenty of exciting name new names announced for for the cast, led by Aquaman's Jason Momoa playing the latest bad guy to go head to head with Dom. We don't know too much about Momoa's villain who's called Dante, but he has shared that he has purple and pink toenails, drives a lavender ride to match, and has a maniacal laugh. I'm a peacock at the highest level, and I'm having the time of my life, he teased. Diesel revealed a new look at Memorial's villain in late January 2023, while the first trailer revealed that he has a connection to Fast Five's villains, villain Reyes, as he's as he's his previously unknown son. The Suicide Squad's Daniela um, uh, McKayer and Captain Marvel's Brie Larson are also a part of the tenth movie. Larson plays Tess, a rogue representative from the agency, while McKeor is a street racer with a tie to Dom's past. As for Larson, Diesel has been talking up her importance in the overall Fast and Furious saga. You have no idea how timeless and amazing she will be in a major mythology. He wrote on an Instagram post with a first look image. Beauty, her beauty, her, beyond her beauty, her intellect, her Oscar, haha, is this profound soul who will add something you might not ex have expected but yearn for. Um, Both Lawson and Melchior's characters are expected to have ties to Fast and Furious canon, with Lawson's Tess reportedly the daughter of Mr. Nobody and Melchior's character, the sister of Elena, the mother of Dom's child, Brian. Um, Reacher star Alan Rich, Richson, Rich, Richson will also be joining in on the front as um, Ames, the new head of the agency, who doesn't exactly have the have the same fondness for Dom as Mister Nobody did. Perhaps most excitedly um, and unexpectedly, Rita Moreno will star as Dom at, and Mia's grand grandmother, Abuela. Toretto. Yes, that is really happening. D Diesel, it was revealed, has even filmed a mid-credit, mid-credits, post-credits scene that's set to feature a super secret guest cameo. Considering anyone who's 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 anyone is ready in Fast Ten, 
who knows who thou turned out to be. So, with the first trailer, we got the official synopsis for Fast 10. And it's a lengthy one fitting its position as the beginning of the end of the series over many mission over many missions and against impossible odds don toretto and his family have outsmarted outnerved and outdriven every foe in their path it reads now they confront the most lethal opponent they've ever faced a terrifying threat emerging from the shadows of the past who's fueled by blood revenge and who is determined to shatter this family and destroy everything and everyone that Dom loves forever? In 2011's Fast Five, Dom and his crew took out a nefarious Brazilian drug campaign, Hernan Reyes, and decapitated his empire on a bridge in Rio de Janeiro. What they didn't know was that Reyes' son, Dante, witnessed it all and has spent last 12 years mastering masterminding a plan to make Don pay the ultimate price. Dante's plot will scatter Don's family from Los Angeles to the catacombs of Rome and from Brazil to London and from Portugal to Antarctica. New allies will be forged and and all enemies will resurface but everything changes when Don discovers that his own eight-year-old son is the ultimate target of Dom's, excuse me, the target of Dante's revenge. No, vengeance, excuse me. Sorry about that. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, anyway, um... So everything is wrapped up fairly neatly by the end of Fast and Furious 9, but it still left some mysteries for the new movie to explore, such as whether Mr. Nobody is still alive and what Jacob will do next. The one big tease for the next movie is the credits sequence that sees Han visit Shaw, who understandably was surprised to see him since Shaw inadvertently helped Han keep Project Ares safe. Will he let bygones be bygones? Or could Han's surprise return lead Shaw to become a villain again? I think there's still some questions that are unanswered. It's a taste of where Han can go and where Decker Shaw can go. Because everybody loves Jason Statham, we, we're honored to have him in our universe, so why not? King told Digital Spy. Natalie Emmanuel has teased that the stakes this time around are so much higher and so much more serious, adding just the general stakes are higher on a more personal level in this one. As mentioned before, could could we see more unexpected returns from the dead, such as Dom's father or Gal, Gal Gadot's Giselle? You can't rule anything out in this universe, although you can probably rule out 
it being a laid back finale where they just sit around and chill. There's a war brewing. Lateria told Empire it's coming to an end and it's a race to the finish. There will be some tremendous casualties, so it appears some of the East, some of the Fast family won't make it to the finish line. Oof. Damn. Um, and maybe we'll end up seeing Queenie kiss Dom, at least if Helen Mirren has anything to do with it. Oh my God, of course I would, but only if he talks to me before and after, because it's the voice that I really get off on, quite honestly. One thing we can definitely expect, though, is that the movie will end on a cliffhanger to set up the final movie. Oh, wow. And um, letter tease. the only, this one is big. You know, I don't want to oversell it, but what we're planning on the next one is just gi- gigantic. In terms of <clears throat> action, scope, and emotion, you will feel all the feels. Tears will roll. Fast 10 is out in cinemas on May 19th. All right. So, so mark your calendars. And we have, let's see what we have. We have, um, so, um, let's see. Okay, so our next subject, Roger Moore's son, all right? So he's letting the sky fall on a female 007. Sir Roger Moore's son, Jeffrey, a.k.a. Jaffa, joined the pop culture fray Thursday to declare the role of James Bond should only be played by men. The late actor's musician, Offspring, said that it simply wouldn't be James Bond if a woman took over the iconic role of Ian Fleming's international spy. True. Well, then it's no longer James Bond. Um, More age 56 told the UK Express. I mean, she could be 006, 008, or 009. It wouldn't be the same because it's Bond. It's Fleming's Bond. It's a guy, unfortunately. Um. Yeah, it's a guy, unfortunately. So Moore's comments come after the 007 moniker was bequitted to Lashana Lynch's character at the end of the the most recent Bond installment, No Time to Die, which marked the end of Daniel Craig's tenure as the iconic spy. In the last Bond, I think this was the confusion, explain more, that she um, was, was 
007 and then said, I've got to give it back to Bond. It's his number. So I think that's very good. And I think they were also testing the waters. Yeah, I don't know about that, though. Um, Moore's father, Sir Roger Moore, who died in 2017 after a battle with cancer, played the super spy over the course of seven films during the 1970s and 80s before leaving the character behind at age at, at the age of 58. Uh, Moore quit the franchise when he realized he couldn't hang around women in their early 20s without appearing creepy, according to an interview with the Mirror shortly at, before his death. The outspoken fruit of Sir Roger's loins suggested that someone could do a potential spinoff with a female protagonist. Maybe there will be a from from the filmmakers of James Bond comes Jane or Jemina Bond or whatever. The young, the younger Moore said, continuing to stoke the flames of potential controversy. Despite that, Moore still firmly believes that a man should portray the character. However, the potential Nepal baby, <laughs> Nepal baby um, candidate did proclaim that women deserve an equally successful franchise. It's right, and they should say more. He went on to endorse. Uh, the possibility of other female-driven spy films. If you look at Charlize Theron in Atomic Blonde, I mean, women can certainly pull it off and certainly do the fight sequences, he said. And even if not as a species, ladies are probably smarter. But in terms of the role itself, Fleming's Bond is James Bond. Yes. Which is true. Um, yeah, <laughs> sorry about that. Anyway, the sentiment in favor of a male only James Bond was echoed by actor Daniel Craig in 2021 ahead of the release of No Time to Die. Why should a woman play James Bond when there should be a part just as good as James Bond. But for a woman, Craig said in an interview with Radio Times, Barbara Broccoli, the iconic franchise's producer, also made the statement in 2020 while talking with Variety. James Bond can be of any color, but he is but he is male, said the said the then 61-year-old. I believe we should be creating new characters for women strong female characters not i'm not particularly interested in taking a male character and having a woman play it i think women are far more interesting than that interesting interest interesting okay we gotta talk about um we gotta talk about um China. We gotta talk about China censoring Winnie the Pooh 
Um, all right, so that's crazy, man. <laughs> Why a horror film starring Winnie the Pooh has run into trouble in Hong Kong? Oh boy. A gory micro budget slasher film in which the beloved children's book character Winnie the Pooh is a murderous psychopath has been pulled suddenly from theaters in Hong Kong and Macau. While the plot may not be everyone's cup of tea, there is concern that the decision to spike the British movie has less to do with the film's goriness and more to do with Beijing's suppression of the civil liberties in Hong Kong and specifically the government's efforts to block an unlikely symbol of protest, the crop up, the crop top wearing pant, pantless bear. Oh gosh. Winnie the Pooh has become a symbol of descendants in China, says Wrong Wong Bin Han, an associate professor of international affairs at the University of Georgia. So now the character alludes to um to Xi Jinping himself and the president doesn't doesn't like this. Pulled with no explanation from Hong Kong and Macau. Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, the rated R movie, written and directed by British filmmaker Reese Frake Waterfield, has become something of an internet sensation exceeding all expectations with release across Latin America and Asia. It was scheduled to start screening at more than 30 theaters. 30 cinemas in Hong Kong and Macau on Thursday, but the distributors said all showings have been called off. Oh boy. That has to really, really, really suck. That has to suck, man. Oh boy. Um, yeah, 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 that sucks, man. That really sucks. All right, um, let's see. Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey will be canceled in Hong Kong and Macau. Um, Macau, what is it? Seven. Seven Pillars Entertainment said in a statement on Facebook, the company added that the film failed to meet the audience and asked for the public's forgiveness. They offered no additional explanation, and company officials did not respond to NPR's questions. Oh, boy. Okay. So, okay, what we have here is, okay, so, so, 
how we need to wait a second. So let's see. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. So wait a minute here. So how Winnie the Pooh became a subversive symbol. The last minute removal from theaters marks the second time that the release of a Winnie the Pooh based film has been blocked in China. But why? The connection between Chinese leader Z and Pooh can be traced back to 2013 when people on social media compared the photo of Z and former President Barack Obama walking side by side to an image of Pooh and Tigger. The meme took off and for several years. Government critics appropriated the character to make fun of Z or lambast his policies that prompted Beijing to censor the Chinese name for Winnie the Pooh and animated gifts of the chubby, somewhat dopey bear on social media platforms in 2017. The University of Georgia's Han explained that it's not Pooh that's object objectionable to Z and the authoritarian regime, but the fact that critics are using the bear as a stand in to to denounce the government's policies oh gosh that's why he says since the censorship machine is constantly looking for perceived criticism which often takes the form of seemingly benign images coded plays on words or no words at all for instance in November, in a rare show of public protest, Chinese descendants marched through the streets holding up blank sheets of paper, sending a silent message of defiance of defiance to the authorities. Han noted that images or objects with Pooh's likeliness are still per permitted in China, but online is a different story. Anywhere that online descendants Descendant groups are mobilizing. That's what triggers the nerve of this state, he said. Given the history with the character, Han said it, he is surprised that the film got past the Chinese government censorship system in the first place. Domestic and foreign films are all subject, subjected to a strict pre-publication review system and the government retains the, the right to ban any film that doesn't comply from being shown in theaters or even from streaming online within the country. Oh, gosh. It's such buzzkills, man. Other challenges include quarter on foreign films. Michael Berry, director for the University of California, Los Angeles Center for Chinese Studies, told NPR that a film like Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey would be up against a number of hurdles regardless of the Z connection. Firstly, there is a quarter system in China that strictly limits the number of foreign films distributed because of this quota. Most studios sub submit big tentpole films like Marvel and DC superhero movies or big budget war films. Small films have often have trouble getting access to the market, Barry said. 
The UCLA professor also noted that China doesn't usually welcome horror films because the country has no rating system. The thinking is that all films should technically be suitable for general audiences that provides inherent challenges when it comes to the horror genre, he said. For now, audiences in Hong Kong and Macau will have to wait for the possibility of watching a bloodthirsty Winnie the Pooh. But as one would-be fan remarked, it may be coming to a streaming service near you. Near you. Oh, wow. That's, that fucking sucks, man. That really fucking sucks, man. To be honest with you. That really sucks, though. Okay, so... On to John Wick 4 taking the number one spot. Okay, the rated R movie, John Wick Chapter 4, knocked down the box office competition, collecting a remarkable $73.5 million in its opening weekend. Boosted by positive reviews and enthusiastic word of mouth, the fourth installment in Lion, Lion, Lionsgate action series, led by Keanu Reeves, who you may know from um, such as such movies like um, The Matrix, Speed, and all other movies, and um, yeah, as a legendary assassin, landed the best start of the franchise. It's one of the rare original properties to keep growing and improving upon the last in terms of ticket sales. The original John Wick opened to, hold on. The original John Wick opened to a modest $14 million in 2014. Its sequel, John Wick Chapter 2, took in $30.4 million to start in 2017. The third film, John Wick Chapter 3, Parabellum, previously marked as marked a series high with $56.8 million in 2019. At the International Box Office, John Wick Chapter 4 took in $64 million, debuting at number one in each of the 71 markets, where it opened, bringing its global tally to $137.5 million. It cost more than $100 million to produce, giving it the highest price tag in the series. But ticket sales are already proven the extra coinage was worth it. Okay. Um, okay. This is a superb opening, says David A. Gross, who runs the movie consulting film franchi firm Franchise Entertainment Research. Each of the John Wick sequels has shown big growth. It's outstanding. Even at two hours and 49 minutes, audiences were high on the R-rated John Wick Chapter 4, which earned a coveted A cinema score. The, the film's Opening weekend audience was 69% male, while 70% were over the age of 25. According to Lionsgate, 
only nine franchises in the past 40 years have managed to set opening weekend records with their fourth outing. Of those nine properties, only five have seen each installment improve upon its predecessors in terms of final box office tallies. In the case of John Wick, the first movie topped out, tapped out with $86.1 million, but became a sleeper hit on home entertainment, while the sequel ended its run with $174.3 million. Parabellum, which is currently the highest grossing entry, left the big screen with $328.3 million globally. The John Wick brand is an anomaly, anomaly, uh, says Joe Drake, Lionsgate's motion picture group president. The results are speaking for themselves. We expect a big multiple. Chad Stahelski directed the latest John Wick, which follows the the titular hitman as he continues his fight against the powerful organization known as the High Table. Lionsgate has been coy about a fifth John Wick adventure, but nothing has been confirmed. However, Reeves and other cast members are returning for Ballerina, a spinoff story starring Anna D. Armas. It's more than tempting, Drake says, of returning to the John Wick universe. I'm not going to give up hope there can't be a, a Wick 5. He also teased there is at least one other spinoff in the works, adding, we hope to announce it soon. Except for Shazam. Except for Shazam, Fury of the Gods, it's been a standout march at the box office as new entries of Scream and Creed also established opening weekend benchmarks in their respective series. What a difference a year makes, says Paul um, Dergara Bedian, a senior ComScore analyst. March of 2023 is benefiting from a spectacular lineup of films that has made this one of the most notable months of March on, on record. Shazam 2 slid to second place with $9.7 million from 4,071 venues as ticket sales created by 69% in its second weekend. It's another dismal turnout for the quirky superhero adventure starring Zachary Levi, which which cost Warner Brothers and hold on, which cost Warner Brothers um hang on, yeah Warner Brothers in DC $110 million to produce and Another one hundred million dollars to uh, produce to promote. Um, so far, Fury of the Gods has earned forty-six million dollars in what's shaping up to be one of the worst turnouts for a modern superhero movie. Oh shit! It's been rough. It's been a rough period for comic book adaptations. Disney's latest Marvel sequel, Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantum Mania has crumbled in the weeks following its huge 106 
million dollar debut already it's running out of steam with 209 million dollars in north america which is above the original ant-man um 180 million dollars behind the 2018 ant-man and the wasp 216 million dollars with 465 million dollars globally it's not even close to matching the totals of the first two movies which earned 519 million dollars and 622 million dollars respectively superheroes have shown an uncharacteristic weakness but we've we've been spoiled gross says we just had two subpart entries Third place is Scream 6, which is the sequel to Scream 5, also another rated R movie, collected $8.4 million from 3,355 cinemas in its third weekend of, re- of release. After three weeks on the big screen, Paramount's slasher sequel has generated a solid $89.8 million in North America and 49.4 million dollars internationally and creed 3 landed at number four with 8.36 million dollars from 3207 locations and in its fourth weekend of release sports drama directed by michael b jordan who also stars in the film with jonathan majors has grossed 140.8 million dollars to date in North America, overseas, where Warner Brothers is rolling out Creed 3 ticket sales, which have reached $105 million for a global tally of $245.8 million. Sony's prehistoric sci fi thriller 65 rounded out the top five with $3.2 million from 2,786 cinemas in its third frame. The $45 million budget film starring Adam Driver as a pilot who crash lands on an unrecognizable version of Earth has ached its way to $27.8 million so far. Damn. Damn, man. Is it really that bad? Yeah, damn. That's crazy. That's crazy. Oof. All right, um, let's see what else. Yes, now we go to um things to do for the weekend. Um Okay. Let's get to um let's get to hold on a second here. Okay, let's get to let's get to the Black Podcast Festival. Okay, so Charlemagne the God has partnered with iHeartMedia to announce the 2023 black effect podcast network festival which will take place in atlanta georgia on tuesday september 28th news arrived that the festival will be a one-day event and will include live podcasts 
and panel discussions with popular talent from Charlemagne's Black Effect Podcast Network and more. According to the official press release, the event will the event will take place on Saturday, April twenty second, from the the Pullman Yards. In 2023, Black creators are at the forefront of a movement reverberating across today's cultural landscape, and we're excited to bring this to life for the community at the Black Effect Podcast Festival in Atlanta this spring, says Charlemagne. With this festival, we want to inspire and uplift new and inspiring podcasters while also showcasing the incredible voices on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Charlamagne and iHeart will be featuring live podcast tapings during the festival from Black, Effect, Black Effect's programs, including the 85 South Show, Horrible Decisions, Big Facts, Reasonably Shady, and checking in with Michelle Williams. The event will also provide discussions during its Women in Podcasting panel. Um, and the business of podcasting panel with with host Chad Ober of 85 South, Colleen Witt of Eating While Broke, just hilarious, um, Tamika Mallory of Street Politicians, and Taslin Figaro of Straight Shot No Chaser and more. If that wasn't enough, guests will also be treated to several activations and a plethora of activities such as pop-up, black-owned business, marketplace, family game arena, the family game area, gaming tournament hosted by the Trap Nerds, a career corner, and more. Fans looking to attend the festival can do so when tickets go on sale on Wednesday, it started on um, March first already. Um, you can check out the Black Effect Network's official website. In September 2020, Charlemagne teamed up with IR Radio to launch the Black Effect Podcast Network, a service dedicated to uplifting Black culture and Black voices through the joint venture. Charlemagne curated a list of podcasts that incite moving conversations around social justice pop culture sports mental health news politics comedy and more <laughs> with over 29 shows under its umbrella the black effect podcast network offers new and established content creators and storytellers a space to showcase their creative vision which would often get marginalized and neglected at other companies hmm okay yeah so you can go to the black effect podcast network um website for tickets and more information okay so all right so things to do for the weekend of course starting with um let me see oh boy okay oh boy Okay. Um Yeah. 
Yeah, so uh, let's see. So, all right, so this is from March 31st through April 2nd. Okay. So, yeah, let's see, let's see, let's see. Let's see what we got here. All right, so let me let me pick out something. Actually, so this is oh boy. So Friday, Friday at Timeout Market. Oh wow. So enjoy a relaxing and fun night out at Friday, Friday at Timeout Market, where you can catch classic movies that inspire nostalgia, play board games with with friends, and drink specialty specialty cocktails and tastings courtesy of Sagamore Rye. Yes, Sagamore Rye. Uh, Sagamore Rye. The fun hap- happens each Friday from 6 to 10 p.m. And this is going to be, let me see. Um. So this is, okay, so Time on Market New York um, Empire Stores is located at 55 Water Street, New York, New York, um, 11201, and it's free. You can check out time the website um, at www.timeoutmarket.com slash New York slash event slash Friday, Friday game, Friday's game night. Again, the dates is going to be from, uh, let me see. So, so each Friday, starting with tomorrow, March 31st, which is the same day as the Dungeons and Dragons movie comes out, um, it's, it is at, um, 6 p.m. It starts at 6 p.m. April 7th, April 14th, April 21st, April 28th, May 5th, May 12th. May 19th, May 26th, and of course, May, and of course, June 2nd. All of these are on a Friday, according to the states. All right. So you can get your tickets there. Check it out. And um, obviously, obviously, Smorgasburg. Is the Food Bazaar Spectacular that officially announces summer in New York City every year, funded by Brooklyn Fleas, Eric Demby, and Jonathan Butler. The culinary extravaganza typically spotlights about 100 vendors across its locations. Smorg has three spots in 2023, two in Brooklyn, uh, Williamsburg, and Prospect Park, and one at the World Trade Center. The World Trade Center Cup Post opens on Friday, which is tomorrow, March 31st, 2023. Greensburg and Prospect Park will follow on April 1st and April 2nd. Yeah, April 1st is April Fool's Day. So for those who may not know what that is, so there you go right there. And this is on the restaurants, by the way. Um, so so this is uh let's see. Let's see, what is this? 
Um, let me see. So, what the hell? All right, so let me just go through this details. So, it's finally outdoor eating and drinking season in New York City, and rooftop restaurants and bars citywide are throwing open their throwing open their doors for the occasions. So, too, it's smorgasburg with the announcement that its World Trade Center outpost will open on Friday, March 31st, 2023. Williamsburg and Prospect Park will follow on April 1st, which is April Fool's Day, and the 2nd, which is Sunday. Um, here's a little more about what Smorgasburg 2023 has on deck. What is Smorgasburg? Smorgasburg is a food bazaar spectacular that unofficially announced summer in New York City every year. Funded by Brooklyn Fleas, Eric Danby, and Jonathan Butler, the culinary extravaganza typically spotlights about 100 vendors across its location. Smorg has three spots in 2023, two in Brooklyn, and yeah, two in Brooklyn, in Williamsburg and Prospect Park, and one at the World Trade Center. Yeah, so Smorgasburg WTC will, yeah, which is World Trade Center, will open on March 31st, which is tomorrow. Smorgasburg, Williamsburg will open on April 1st. Yeah, I already said that. Um, Smorgasburg Prospect Park begins on April 1st. Each location will operate through October. Where is Smorgasburg? Smorgasburg World Trade Center is at 185 Greenwich Street, New York, New York, 10006. Smorgasburg Prospect Park is at Breeze Hill. And Smorgasburg, Williamsburg, Location is Marshall P. Johnson State Park, aka 90 10th Avenue, Brooklyn, New York, 11211. Who are the small guard smorgasburg vendors? Smorgasburg, um, smorgasburg's returning vendors include Mile Bow, Colito's Barbecue, um, Takira, Takiria, um, Bona. Bona, no, excuse me, Bona Bona <laughs> ice cream, Rooster Boy, and Dough Donuts. Newcomers number 20 with um, Ari Rang Hibachi Steakhouse, Everything Oxtail, um, Jasse BBQ, Lamont Kitchen, and Unregular Pasta in the mix. There are 80 total vendors for 2023. Some will operate at one location and some will have a presence at all three. Uh, will I be able to skip the line? Yes, and this and thus defeat the annual culinary events. One weakness this year, food ordering app Chow Now will enable visitors to click and pick up. Okay. Okay, we got one more. Hold on a second. I want to actually get to. No, let's see. Yeah. Uh, let's see.
All right, Tom. Okay, Luna Park in Coney Island. All right, so of course, market counters, folks, the popular Luna Park in Coney Island. And Coney Island is officially opening to the public for the season of on March 31st, a sign that summer is a summer is finally near. Starting that Friday at noon, the amusement park will welcome guests every weekend through Memorial Day. Then it'll be open daily for the season. Um, there will also be an official celebration to honor the start of the season on April 2nd. Okay. Um, as usual, New Yorkers will get to experience thrilling rides, including two new ones that made their debut last summer. Tony's Express, a custom-made roller coaster, runs at more than 40 miles per hour and over 1,200 feet of track. Letty's Treasure, on the other hand, is a log, log flume ride that operates with 12 flume boats that sit up to six guests each at a time at moments lifting riders up to 40 feet in the air the relatively new thrilling offering grants a semi circle panoramic view of coney island's shoreline before plunging down a course um the two new rides run intertwined and both are actual homages to the Zamperla family, the owners of the park. Needless to say, you should also check out iconic attractions like the Coney Island Cyclone, the Thunderbolt, and the B&B Carousel, the classic merry-go-round that was originally built back in 1906 but has been restored in more recent years. It's time to have some outdoor fun. Yes, I agree. I agree with this. So check that out. Check out the new rides for yourself and everything else in between. So there you have it right there. Um, let's see. Okay. Um, let's see. Sampling, sampling pastries. Ooh. Okay. Let's take a look here. Okay. Early birds will get the best view with the with this new sunrise event atop the Empire State Building. The Starbucks Reserve Sunrise Experience offers a chance to watch the sun climb over the skyline while sipping coffee and sampling pastries inside a world-famous landmark. The experience kicks off this weekend on April 1st, April Fool's Day, and continues on Saturdays with limited capacity. Tickets cost $135 per person and must be reserved in advance. Woo! In advance, damn. Okay, that's a long ass time, right? Yes, it is. Yes, that's a long ass time. 
Um, yes. That's a long ass time. Yes, it is. Okay. Uh, okay. Um, let's take a look here. If there's any location, I don't think there's a location, but okay, so um I'm pretty sure everybody's familiar with Starbucks, so I'm pretty sure there is. So guests will be whisked to the open air A6 A6 floor observatory to watch the surprise. After the sun's up, visitors get pre-order, pre-opening access to the Empire State Building's immersive museum that chronicles the building's history from um, construction to its current place in pop culture. Um, the morning also includes Starbucks reserved Empire State Building micro-blend coffee and a special especially selected assortment of uh, artisano princey pastries. The sunrise experience at the world's most famous building is an unforgettable bucket list experience made all the more special with our great Starbucks reserve partners. The sight of daybreak over New York City from the center of it all is just extraordinary, Anthony E. Malkin, Chairman, President, and CEO of Empire State Realty Trust, said in a press release. The Starbucks Reserve Store at the Empire State Building opened in November with an impressive full-service bar, restaurant, hands-on workshops, and, of course, lots of coffee. The massive Three-story Starbucks Reserve store measures in a in at twenty-three thousand square feet. In addition to the swanky new Starbucks, the the Empire State Building's observatory itself recently underwent a one sixty-five million dollar refresh, updating an interactive museum with nine galleries, host uniforms, and iconic observatories at, on the 86th and 102nd floors. The Empire State Building was voted the number one attract, attraction in the United States in TripAdvisor's 2022 Traveler's Choice Best of the Best. If you are more a sunset if you are more a sunset than a sunrise person, you can always book general admission evening tickets to the Empire State Building to watch the sun dip into the horizon. Just look just look on the Empire State Building's ticketing page and you'll see the sunset hours indicated heads up that there's a price surge for sunset visits. Yeah. Um... Um, let me see something here. Let me see something here. So you can go to this website where you can actually um, get the tickets, which is www.esbn.com. 
www.nyc.com slash visit observatories exhibits. That's www.esbnyc.com slash visit slash observatories exhibits. And there you have it right there, folks, man. That's pretty much going to do it for this episode right here, man. And finally. All right. So that's going to do it, man. And our last segment of the night is going to be stream choices on the go, man. Let's do this. All right. Y'all know what to do. Y'all know what to do. Uh, first and foremost, first and foremost, y'all know what to do, right? All you need to do is go ahead and show your love by following Off the Meat Rack Chains New York podcast on Facebook and Instagram, alongside with my other shows that I do on the gram as well, which is my sports platform, which is Excellent Fun Vibrant Talks podcast, which is what TLKS stands for. And and my review show, which is Meticulous Vibe Juice podcast. You can also follow that page as well as myself, G Money Stacks 555 in Queens, New York. Turn your notifications so you can be in the know of when I'm going to be on Instagram Live and all that great stuff right there. Any details to any delays to upcoming episodes and all that other stuff, I will post that in the Insta story and post it on the gram as well as the page. And um, you go to the link in bio. Go to the link in bio for um for streaming platforms where you can listen to episodes. And by the way, you can listen to the episodes on. You listen to the episodes on Audacity, Audible. You have Audio Burst, Amazon Music, Breaker, Bullhorn FM, Castbox FM, Deezer, Listen Notes, Moon FM Podcast, Player FM, Pocket Cast, Podbay, Podfriend, Podham, Podopolo, Podorama, Podcast Index, Podcast Addict, Podchaser, Podverse, Podcast Guru, Podvine, Spotify, Spotify, for podcasters, Stitcher, Tuning Radio, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, iHeartRadio, the number one app for music, radio, and podcasts. You don't need a credit card to download the app along with um, a debit card or credit card. Make sure you follow um, this show right here, Off the Meat Rat Chains, New York Podcast on iHeartRadio, along with my other two podcast shows that I do, which is which is Excellent Fun Vibrant Talks Podcast, the sports edition show, and, and of course, Meticulous Vibe Juice Podcast Review Show. And finally, do this finally do the same for YouTube. You can you can make sure you grab that subscribe button. And click on the Naughty Naughty Bell along with the alerts so you can be reminded of when the show goes in the air via live stream according to the reminder of the podcast live stream recording scheduled the day, the date, and time. 
Leave a like and a comment along with the episodes and topics that was discussed. Stay tuned for more video content, upcoming episodes, previous episodes. In case you miss any of them, don't worry. Everything's all there. You can rate five stars on Podchaser, Podfriend, and Spotify as well. You can share on Spotify as well. And, and of course, be sure to listen, stream, watch the episodes, and be sure to, to share the videos, share the episodes, and, of course, Tell a friend to another friend, spread the word, word of mouth is important, and alongside with sharing the link that says Linktree slash GMoneyStacks555 with all the audio streaming platforms, and alongside with um and alongside with sharing the podcast with your husbands, wives, boyfriends, girlfriends, and girlfriends, friends, and along with everyone else where you meet them, whether it's barbecues parties um festivities block parties wherever you meet new people and stuff you know what i'm saying and that's gonna do it for me right here man that's gonna do it for me right here man um and yeah that's gonna do it man listen i hope y'all enjoy your weekend i hope y'all um enjoy your april fool's weekend and I'm your man, G Money Stacks. Thank you very much for listening, tuning in, and rocking with me on episode 252. All about the the movie Fast Ten, which is the which, by the way, is um the finale of the Fast and Furious movie. All right, so. I hope y'all have some weekend plans. And no, the movie Dungeons and Dragons, um, Honor Among Thieves is supposed to come out tomorrow and all that other stuff. Y'all can check that out as well. And of course, be sure to be careful out there. Follow your goals and dreams. Be sure to be sure to remember the grind doesn't stop. Hardware pays off. If you want something, you have to work hard and earn it. New York wasn't built in a day. Find, find and look for something that makes you happy and doing what you love to do. Um, creatively, mentally, physically, and spiritually while you are on your P's and Q's on a consistency basis, full confidence, be you, be yourself behind the mic, find your voice, be comfortable with the sound of your voice and everything else in between that gets you into your zone alongside with tunnel vision. So thank you very much for listening. Enjoy your April Fool's weekend. Of course, you can check out um, the Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves movie that's coming out tomorrow. Make sure you check that out. Make sure you check out the places that I just mentioned to you as far as like things things to do for the three-day weekend. And if you missed and if you missed the places that I just mentioned, you can listen to episode 252 again so you can know 
where you can actually go for the weekend and all that great stuff right there. So peace and one love. Thank you so much. I appreciate every single one of you. Y'all could have listened to any other podcast show whatsoever, but you chose to listen to this New York podcast platform right here. So thank you. I appreciate you. I love y'all. Peace and one love. Good night, everybody. Listen, folks, if you like what you heard, I need your help on a couple things. If you like to support Off the Meat Rack Chains New York podcast, you can show some love by following the show on Facebook and Instagram with the same name at Off the Meat Rack Chains NY Podcast, O-F-F-T-H-E-M-E-A-T-R-A-C-K-C-H-A-I-N-Z. N-Y-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Alongside with my primary Instagram handle, GMoneyStacks555 in Queens, New York. And go to the YouTube channel, GMoneyStacks555. Be sure to click the subscribe button. Grab the notification bell so you can be reminded on when the show goes in the air live via live stream. More video content, upcoming episodes, Previous episodes that will automatically be posted after the recordings. Like, comment on the episodes with the topics, share the videos, download your favorite episodes, rate, spread the word to a friend, to other individuals. Please be sure to share the podcast with audio streaming choices to your friends. The audio streaming services include Anchor, Audio Burst, Breaker, Deezer, Listen Notes, Player FM, Pocket Cast, Podbay, Podfriend, Podcast Addict, Podorama, Podchaser, Reason FM, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, and YouTube. I'm G Money Stacks, and thank you, listeners and watchers, for tuning into the podcast. One love.